When the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie, that's a moonstruck, which is what we watched this week. What do you think we cut the chit chat a hole? This is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent. I'm Brittany Green. And I'm Liz Kurtzman. And let's go ahead and get into it. Let's jump right in. Have you seen this movie before? Yes. So I saw this movie, it used to be on TV a lot. And I remember seeing, I think I finally sat down and watched the whole thing one time when I was like a teenager. And mostly I remembered the (laughs) the bakery scene. (laughs) Super, super wild. I had not seen this movie before. It was not in our rotation uh, growing up, and I was uh, I was happy to be totally surprised going into it. I knew uh, uh, my, my boss has told me her favorite line from a Nicolas Cage movie is that line from the bakery scene, and so I knew that that was coming, and I knew Nicolas Cage had one hand, uh, and that it was a rom-com with Cher, and like very little else. <laughs> this movie is one of... Uh... Nick Cage's most lauded films as far as like awards go. He didn't win one, but Cher and the Mom won Academy Awards. Yes, and I think it was nominated for Best Actor. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pull. But that I don't up think up. it won. Uh, it was originally going to be called The Bride and the Wolf. Oh, there was a lot of wolf references in this movie, and that was kind of weird. They went real hard on the metaphor of the wolf, um, which is of course Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Yeah, he seemed totally crazy in this movie. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Just totally unhinged. We we had talked about for this podcast rating movies on caginess, which mm-hmm. we hadn't done uh, up to this point. But I'm going to say, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, that this was probably like a 9 for Nicolas Cage. Interesting. I would probably put it at like a 7. Yeah. Because it's still sort of grounded in, in realism. Yeah. Or I guess he's not, like, the most unhinged character. Everyone in it is weird. It won Best Actress. Cher won Best Actress. Uh, Olympia Dukakis, the mother, won Best Supporting Actress. And it also won Best Original Screenplay. Oh, okay. Good. I mean, worth it. And it was Absolutely. nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Vincent Gardenia. Oh. Who maybe is the father? Yes, yeah. The Father, Cosmo. And it was also nominated for Best Director. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. Um, apparently, the director was not very impressed with Nicolas Cage's audition. Okay. And did not want to cast him. And Cher insisted on casting him. Oh. Yeah. Cher wanted it to be Nicolas Cage. Yes. Nicolas Cage almost didn't want it to be Nicolas Cage, I've read. Because he thought the movie seemed too normal and... Uh, the reason he decided to do it was because he liked that it portrayed a an Italian family as not a bunch of gangsters. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, this is one of the most Italian films I've ever seen in my life. For sure. It's like a normal Italian family, where but everybody's just cheating on everybody in yes. this movie. 
everyone is, it, it feels, I, at one point I made a joke about Sophia from the Golden Girls because there's like an old woman <laughs> in the airport who was like, I cursed my sister for sleeping with my husband. And this I was plane like, is going to crash into a fiery furnace. Yes. And I was like, is that, is that Sophia? Um, no, but it's the same vibes. It's the yeah. same vibes of like, uh, you know, they, of Italian-Americans fighting and eating and, and loving to the extreme. Yeah. That I feel like was very popular in the 80s. There's a lot of uh, cute couples in this movie. Yeah. There's um, a lot of cute couples. There's a lot but of a lot of the cute cheating. couples are also cheating on each yeah. other. So, you know, mm-hmm. I feel conflicted about it. Yeah, don't we all? But this was also is also number eight on AFI's Romantic Comedies of All Time. Number eight? Number eight. Wow. Yeah. I have to say, having now watched this and Valley Girl, I like Nicolas Cage as a romantic lead, and I think it's because he's got big shiny eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and so Big hair. Big hair. Big hair. Big shiny eyes. Big shiny eyes. And so there's something about the way that he like looks at his mm-hmm. female counterparts in the movies. He's so intense. He's very intense. He's very intense. Oh, I feel a little bit like the the woman in the bakery who's in love with him. <laughs> what does she say? That's the most intense man I've ever... The that's, most tortured man. That's the most tortured man I've ever seen. I'm in love with this man. <laughs> <laughs> she steals... The scene, she's only in that one scene in this only film. Only in that one scene. And I could tell before that that she was in love with him. He's he's threatening. So and so, if you haven't seen this movie before, this is how Nicolas Cage's character is introduced. Uh, Cher has been tasked with going to uh, get her fiancé's brother, Nicolas her, Cage. Her fiancé, Johnny, who gives the most uninspiring proposal... Of all oh, time at the very beginning. After just like scratching the hell out of his scalp. <laughs> <laughs> this, what was that? This this giant baby man. Sometimes the blood doesn't go to my scalp. <laughs> I have you to, know. I have to just just massage it the, back in. Massage the blood into my scalp, I guess. Yep. And then he yeah gives a really uninspired uh, proposal at this as the guy's Italian pulling restaurant. up with the dessert cart. <laughs> yes. You want to get married? He's like, do you want dessert? Do you want to get married? Um, yeah, and he, you know, they're big on everything has to be, like, right for the wedding because she's a widow and her husband died. And so she's like, we have to do everything right this time around. And so he's like, well, uh, we got to work things out with my brother then, who I've been fighting with for, like, five years. She's very superstitious. Yeah, everyone is Everyone very is very superstitious. And I picked up on this... Um, because she, she, the whole proposal thing, she, during the proposal, is talking about how she's got bad luck with marriages, and you have to do everything right, because maybe that'll get rid of the bad luck if they do it all right this time. And um, she's going on about that, and, you know, um, and then in the airport, when the old lady curse happens, she's like, I don't believe in curses. And I'm like, bitch, you absolutely believe <laughs> in curses. <laughs> this is a lie. <laughs> Yeah, and also when she tells her parents that she's getting married, both of their reactions are like, No! Again? Again? <laughs> you only get to get married once. If your husband dies, that's it. That's it! Uh, yeah, so her her fiancé, Johnny, gives her, like, very little information and just says, Can you go 
invite my brother who I've fought with to our wedding. And that's it. You got to call this number and invite Johnny or Ronnie to the wedding. And she really, she should have given her some more information. No, because he should have, he should have warned her that he was a complete lunatic. <laughs> that he didn't have a hand. How do you feel about Johnny generally? Um, what is, can you, how would you describe Johnny? I, well, I would describe Johnny as a, uh, Tortured one-handed baker. No, not Ronnie. Oh, sorry, we'll get sorry. To Ronnie. How we'll would get you to Ronnie. It's Johnny? very confusing that the brothers' names are Ronnie and Johnny. Um, I would describe Johnny as this like middle-aged baby of a man who wants a wife to like take care of him. Yes, and is absolutely clueless. Yeah, he's not in any way like a jerk. And he's a mama's boy, which he's we a mama's kind boy. of get in there later. Yeah. But but that does not come as a surprise when you find out. No. <laughs> no, but well like in his introduction, we have Cher um like bossing him around about what he's going to be eating cuz he's mm-hmm. about to get on a plane and you don't want that oily fish or else you're going to be all sweaty on the plane. <laughs> And, uh, you know how fish makes you, know you how sweat. Fish makes you sweaty. You don't want that. We've all been there. Um, and then he uh, starts laughing at the guy that's in the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Who gets like the the woman he's with storms off, and he starts laughing, and he's like, "A man who can't control his woman is funny." And I'm like, "That's a red flag." Cher did not find that funny. She shouldn't have. She did not. But um, also. The way that she was, like, bossing him around really reminded me of... I feel like I see a lot of memes for some reason. I don't know why I see these particular memes. But of, like, guys talking about how they want a girlfriend so that, you know, like, they'll get them their french fries when the waiter forgets their french fries or, you know, like, that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I see these, why they come up in my Facebook. Why do you see these? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But that's what it reminded me of. That's exactly. You mean, like, somebody who's gonna, like, be uh, the one who, like, stands up and, like... Make sure that his clothes... Or, like, John Mulaney has a lot of jokes about this in, like, some of his older stand-up things about how he has, like, the bossy Jewish uh, wife to Mm -hmm. make sure that, like, she gets stood up for. (laughs) Yep. That they they get his luggage and his shirts aren't on inside out. And, yeah, yeah, that's what what Johnny's looking for. That's what Johnny's looking for, but Johnny also is in denial about that because he's also, like, a man who can't control his woman is hilarious. Like, "Mm, my guy, it's you. (laughs) You're (laughs) that person. Except for you're not, well, we find out later, you're not sleeping with your students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the scene that prompted this is this, like, um, uh, old, like, middle-aged man who has a big fight with his very young girlfriend. She throws, like, water on him. Um, and we keep, we see that man again doing the exact same thing at the same restaurant. Identical. Yeah. And then both times, uh, the woman storms off and he goes to the waiter. He's like, remove every trace that this woman was ever here and bring me a glass of vodka. A glass? uh, A tall like water a, glass filled with vodka. Like a highball glass. Yes. It was insane. I'm like, he's just sipping vodka. Do people do that? I guess. Maybe in maybe not in the me. late eighties. Yeah. Maybe that was a more of a I thing. thought just the Russians did that. Apparently not. Apparently mm-hmm. Fraser's dad also does that. <laughs> That's who it's played by is uh Fraser's dad. Uh, so yeah, Johnny 
Johnny takes off for Sicily to see his dying mother. He says, we'll get married after my mom dies. She's on her deathbed. But you have to go meet my brother. And that's how we meet Nicolas Cage. Uh, oh. Plays Ronnie. And he is the ba- he's in this bakery, which maybe he owns. He's and it's in the basement. Like 10,000%. Yes. And also, this this bakery is not up to code. They're just cooking in the basement. There's just... Is oh gross. man, it looked like he's like shoveling coals for a train or something. Absolutely, he's yes. just like feeding the fire, <laughs> just like firelight away, <laughs> firelight on his like insane face. Um, and yeah, you walk in and immediately just tension. Everyone is waiting for this man to go off. I imagine he does it at least once a week. Oh, everybody has heard that exact speech a million times. I feel like. People show, like, someone, like, a delivery man shows up and is like, I've got your yeast, but we back-ordered the sugar. And And he's like, my life isn't fair! I've got one hand! I've got no sugar! I've got no hand! Like, every week. (laughs) Every week. Oh, yeah, and immediately he's like, bring me the knife! Bring me the knife! And then the woman from upstairs is like, no! No, Ronnie, no! Bring Bring me me the the knife! I want you to watch me slit my own throat! <laughs> and everyone is just standing no. around like, oh, oh no. Oh no, this again. <laughs> Not again. Is he gonna do it this time? Um, yeah, so he's a lot, and Cher is just like, what is happening with this person? Um, and he gives this incredible speech, which is probably the most well, the most famous line from this film is definitely snap out of it. But uh this but speech second is what am I, a pillar to justice? <laughs> After Cher says, well, that's not Johnny's fault. Why are you blaming him? Yeah, because we find out the reason they fought is that Ronnie was engaged, and then Johnny was talking to him while he was slicing bread, and Ronnie accidentally stuck his hand in the bread slicer and chopped off all his fingies, I guess, because now he's got, like, a half wooden prosthetic that looks... It's just really a glove. But, um... Yeah, he gives this incredible speech about, you know, <laughs> I lost my hand. I lost my bride. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, people's opinions on marriage and relationships in this movie felt very dated even for 1987. Yes. it. I mean, like... I mean, the- like, I guess they're just like a traditional Italian family... Question mark, question mark. I think, like, the idea of this film is supposed to be, you know, like, if love is not just a good feeling, it also, it's extremes of passion and hatred and jealousy, and uh, you're safer if you don't fall in love, but then life's not worth living. Yeah. And that's all, that's all great. <laughs> it's all great. Except that's that- all great, except for, like, generally... Except Rita and Raymond. Oh, they're are adorable. adorable. Yeah. Yes, definitely yeah. adorable. That's uh that's Cher's aunt and uncle. Yeah, they have a great relationship. Very cute. Run Very a store together. Cute. Uh still have an active sex life into their fifties, sixties. Good for them. So Loretta, Cher's character, yes. works at the grocery store. This was something I had a, qu- a question about. I think she's a tax accountant. Okay. Which is why at the beginning we see and her And she's doing at the accounting f- for them and that's why she has the money at the yes. end. Yes, because she goes around at the very beginning to all these businesses, these Italian businesses, and does their books. Okay. So I think she does the books for her aunt and uncle. Um, and then there's like a very minor plot point about her forgetting to take the deposit 
and them being afraid she stole from them. And that's it. Yeah. So, again, like, going back to, like, the weird relationships in this movie. She's a tax accountant. Mm -hmm. She has a job. She works. She lives at home with her parents, Mm -hmm. who do have a big old house. Yeah. But she lives at home with her parents, and then when she's getting married, it seems like they sort of are, like, her mom sort of expects her to bring her husband and live in the house with them. Which feels odd for 1987. Yeah, again, I think this is going back to the, like, and I don't know how accurate this is, but, like, stereotypes of Italian families, of them all living together. Um, Because there's, like, a part where they're like, we'll sell the house then, after you get married and you move out. And, like, also, the grandpa lives with them. The grandpa does five dogs too. And his five dogs. I love the grandpa. I love the grandpa. He was incredible. He was amazing. Um, and we watched, like, a Turner Classic Movies version of this, so we got, like, a fun intro to the beginning, um, and we learned a little bit about the grandpa, and then later we looked it up, and he's, like, a very, uh, fancy... <laughs> he was a very prolific Russian-born actor who came from, like, a, a family of very famous actors and opera singers and performers, and, um, I think it was... I don't know, during some tumultuous time in Russia, they fled um, and went to Italy. So he's Russian-born, but did most of his acting in Italy. Um, so he's playing the Italian grandfather in this film. Um, and he looked a thousand years old. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. <laughs> definitely a thousand years old. He was wonderful. Um, yeah, so then... His name is Fyodor... Yes. Chaliapin? Chaliapin? Sounds Chaliapin? good to me. <laughs> Nailed it. Russian. <laughs> yeah, can you be a Very little more Russian. Russian when you say... No. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I think... Oh, yeah, so so Cher is saying, like, I'm going to move out because I'm getting married. And the mom's like, we'll sell the house then. Um, because we're not just going to, the three of us, live in this house. Uh, which, all right. But I, you've got five dogs. I feel like the five dogs can use as much room as they can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have too many dogs in that house. I don't care how big that house is. That's a lot of dogs. That's a lot of dogs. That's a lot of dogs. And he's... <laughs> I love the scene when they're sitting at dinner and um, Cher's mother has cooked for everybody and the grandfather keeps on feeding his food to the dogs and he goes to do it a second time after doing it the first time. And Cher's mother goes and screams at him, If you give more of my food to the dogs, I'm going to kick you until you're dead. <laughs> that and was an amazing one. He slowly line. sits back down with his plate of food. Uh, just an incredible casual threat. <laughs> oh, lots of casual threats in this house. Lots of casual threats of uh, I feel like especially from the mother, who I love. She's incredible. She deserved an Oscar for this film. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, well, to go back to, to Johnny, not Johnny, Ronnie. Ronnie and Cher. Cage. Yeah. So we have this amazing scene where he gets introduced in the bakery and he's like, he's, he's hot. He's clearly, he's oh, still he's too got hot. got a muscle tee on. All of his, his I mean, chest hot like hair. angry, but he's also hot like with the chest <laughs> Very hair. Very sweaty. Just a whole some kind of tattoo on his back. Several inches of chest hair deep. Uh, yeah, but also so angry still. And she's like, "Come on, can we can we get out of here and go talk someplace?" And they go back to his apartment, and she's cooking a mistake. 
Uh, he wants it he well needs, done. He needs blood for your... <laughs> but she's like, I'm gonna make it bloody, because you need it for your blood. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? What you is need that? blood for your blood. Uh, so she makes a mistake, and then they're talking, and she says, oh, this is where the bl- the bride and the wolf thing comes in, because she says, she makes the argument. The wolf thing comes up before this, though, too, when she's at the liquor store. Oh, I The wolf that. thing comes up, like, at least three times in the movie. Yeah. Because, so before this, we see Cher go to the liquor store on her way home from work, I think probably to pick something. This was something that crossed my mind. So I think that the woman that was in the liquor store that we see bickering with her husband was the woman that her father was cheating with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I wonder if she goes and picks something up from there for her father. Um, yeah, because they get home and she, they drink champagne and that's when she says, I'm getting married. Yeah. During that strange conversation. But the woman in the liquor store is telling her husband that she sees a wolf in him and there's a wolf mm. in all men. And yeah. Because then he goes, you know what I see in you? A beautiful girl that I married. Aww. And it's, very, it's kind of a cute moment. It's really cute. But they were like fighting, fighting, and then he just diffuses the whole situation. It really sets the tone for the rest of the film. It really does. <laughs> that kind of happens again later. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. So... She makes the argument, uh, Loretta does, that John, uh, Ronnie purposely, like subconsciously, cut off his own hand because he is a wolf. He was a wolf in a trap, and he didn't want to get married, and so he was chewing his own like paw off to get out of you know like the trap or whatever. Which feels like a much more difficult way to get out of a marriage than just um, saying I don't want to get married. Subconscious, you know. Yeah, just, like, not a sure way to go. It's, like, how you probably shouldn't, like, yeah, just, like, how would you, how would you know that you're gonna get broken up with because you lost your fingers? If right. anything, I feel like that makes his fiance a bad person. Absolutely. And I think he probably dodged a bullet. I think so, too. Because, yeah, she leaves him because he lost his hand. And he still works well, in the bakery. It's not look, like he... I gotta think that, I gotta think that he probably didn't take it well. And that oh, might be no. why she left. <laughs> we know he didn't take it well. He's it's five years later, and he's still like, "I lost my hand." You got you got to think that he did that speech every night every to day. his fiance and in she the was mirror like, to himself. I can't my take hand. this, and that's why she left. And he was like, "She left me because of my hand." Oh yeah, that was definitely like a straw that broke the camel's back yeah. situation. Absolutely, because he's crazy. Yeah, and we see that when he flips the table oh, this and moment then just so grabs weird. Cher and starts making out with her. And she's like, wait, no. And then they kiss again. Yeah, and then she's into it. And then he just scoops her up and, and takes like, her to his bed. You can take me to the bedroom. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> and she's like, take your revenge on Johnny out on my body. Is wild. <laughs> yeah, she seems super, so... She's I, very into it. She's very into it. And then she's like looking at the moon later. Mm. And then like... I don't know if she was, like, is the implication, they were definitely drinking whiskey at his house. Do you think she, like, the next day she wakes up and she's, like, totally freaking out in a way that we did not see her, like, having this kind of reaction the night before, even a little bit. Yeah. Um, And it's almost like she's surprised in the morning when she wakes up. Um, Do you think the implication is that they just, like, both got really drunk and it was, like, a... I don't think uh, no. like they didn't seem really drunk to me, but like I think they were... her reaction in the morning of being so like 
No, no, no. They were moonstruck. They were moonstruck. That's absolutely right. <laughs> because we get the speech from Uncle Raymond about how when Cosmo was courting his sister, which I don't remember the mom's name. I don't either. We'll just call her Olympia Dukakis. Yeah. Um, when he was courting uh, Olympia and he was just like crazy in love. It's um, Rose, but I don't think anybody calls her Rose in the whole movie. I couldn't probably tell you. they do. Somebody does at some point. Probably we weren't paying attention. I know the dad's name is Cosmo. That gets mm-hmm. said a lot. Yep. Um, but he Raymond talks about how the night that like Cosmo came and was you know calling up to her window, there was this great big moon that woke him up because it was so bright. And that night is they get another moon like that. Like we see Raymond in the bedroom with oh, and Rita. that was super cute. It was too. very cute because he was like Cosmo's moon. Look, and she's like, you look about 25 in that moonlight, and then they make out. Um, <laughs> I think they do a little They do a little bit more than making out. Um, and we, then we luckily see, not on screen, otherwise they, I think it would yeah. be a lot less cute. It <laughs> would have reached a point where we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, I definitely was a little bit like, oh, oh, with uh, Cher and Nicolas Cage, but only because of the uh, <laughs> suddenness of him going from knocking over a table and being, like, so angry. to You just, did like, make a noise when that happened. Like, what? <laughs> what? No. Um, What's happening? Yeah, so I think the idea is that it's there's so just, sudden. like, moon, like, the moon had just makes people love crazy, and I think that's what it was. Oh. She's enchanted by it. Yeah, it's 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 so sudden. Like it's like a light oh, I know. switch. Yeah, we figured out at the end of the film that this movie takes place in four days. Yeah, no, it's and he's in four love days. with her within the first, I guess, three hours of meeting her. Absolutely, because he tells her he loves her like the next day when she's trying to leave. Yes, she's like, okay, well, this was a mistake, and I'm gonna go confess in the church. And he was like, I love you, and she's like. <laughs> Okay. She's like, we can just never tell Johnny about this ever again. He's like, I don't think that can happen because yeah. I'm in love with Which, you. Yeah, oh, okay. Yep, uh, uh, okay. Very cool. And the proposal is, I won't tell Johnny if you go to the opera with me tonight. There are yes. two things I love in this world, and it's you and the opera. And if I can have those two things, I'll be happy. I can just die. Ugh. Can't we all? Um. Yeah, so we've got that going on. We also have Cosmo, who's a very rich plumber. Um, we find out is cheating on his wife with this other woman, as we've talked about briefly. The, the lady from the liquor store. And he's buying her all this, like, fancy stuff. Got her that gaudy gold bracelet. Fur coat. Um, yeah. I guess we don't know that he got her the fur coat, but I think he did. I probably. think he did. Yeah. Um, well, poor Olympia Dukakis is at home. And, yeah, so we've got, uh, another scene I love is, is the confession when she tells the priest, like, it's been two months since my last confession. I've used the Lord's vein, or name in vain, twice. I slept with my fiancé's brother, and I, I don't know, it was like, accidentally did something. So, uh, I took the Lord's name in vain twice. I slept with my fiancé's well, brother, and I bounced a check, but that was on accident. Yeah, and he, the priest is like, oh, well, it doesn't count if it's an accident. What was the second one? <laughs> it reminds me of, like... If you're, like, a teenager buying condoms and you're like, all right, what can I get to distract from the condoms? I've got to get a magazine, maybe uh-huh. a bunch of bananas, uh, yep. uh, a gallon of milk, and uh, here's the condoms. Also, oh, what are these? Um, Whoops, I guess I'll just get these, too. I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah, just in yeah. case. We'll slip those in there, too. Uh, yeah, that scene was very funny. Um, loved it. 
and uh, I don't know. We we skip around for a while, and then we get um, the opera. Yeah. And of course, we've got oh, but oh, first we get the makeover. makeover. Yes, yeah. the makeover like, something... was important. Yes, and Cher looks. I mean, she looked good already because yes. she's Cher. Because she's Cher, she's forty when she makes this film, and I thought she was maybe thirty. She yeah. looks incredible. They do give her like gray hair mm-hmm. um, that she has, like just kind of whatever. Um, yeah, hair. but she goes to get a makeover, she gets the hair done, she gets goes the nails the salon, done. Let's get rid of these gray hairs, and then the hair salon people are like, I've been wanting to do this for years! <laughs> Which I was like, don't you have anything better to do? Like, she looks fine. She's Cher, she looks she's fantastic. She's got a little bit of gray. Uh, gets a new outfit. Um, she's really going, she's doing the whole thing. Goes on a huge shopping spree. Yes. It looks get- amazing. Uh, and then, you know, Nicolas Cage shows up looking amazing in his tux with his fancy white Nicolas scarf. Nicolas Cage shows up wearing a tux. Yes. <laughs> and he has the weird slick back hair that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And he still looks like gangly Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But again, like I said, I, a little bit, it was kind of working for me. Yeah. I was a little bit like, this is the most tortured man and I love him. <laughs> He does still look like Nicolas Cage. He still looks like Nicolas Cage. He just has different clothes. He's not he's wearing like, the he's not wearing the tank top anymore. He gets, yeah, he gets like an eighties makeover, which is to slick back the hair and put someone in a suit. We did have a long little conversation about how much we like the little white scarf with the tuxedo. Yeah, I don't it's, get it. It's like classy. it just is sitting there. But I love when a man has like the little white scarf on with his tux. It looks nice. Yeah, it's great. Great touch. Um. Uh, also, her dad is at the opera. He does his not have a nice woman. little white scarf. He does not, because he's trashy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he has. He does. I did notice he has a, a matching uh, a pocket square that's like matching his paisley tie. And oh, I was like, oh, that is a nice, right. that's a nice touch. Yeah, I didn't particularly notice that. He wears good suits in this film. Um, I mean, he's a very wealthy former. Yes, he is. Yeah. Because um, he only copper sells pipes. copper pipes. Only copper pipes. Uh, so, yeah, he's there with his woman. And we also get one of my favorite scenes. Oh, one I of my favorite things the, in the, the film. The woman that he's with is like, you didn't say anything about my dress. And he's like, it's a very nice dress, whatever. He's <laughs> like, it's very bright. It's very bright. <laughs> um, so, uh, Rose... Olympia Dukakis's character. Yeah, simultaneously is out to dinner by herself. Yeah, she knows that he's cheating on her at this point. She's figured it out. I don't know how long she's known, but she's known. We find out that she knows in the church when Cher is making her confession. Yeah. Um, um, and her mom is also in the church and she goes and says hi to her mom. Yeah. So she takes herself out to this Italian restaurant that everyone goes to in this film. With the Bobo. With <laughs> Bobo the waiter. Bobo the waiter. <laughs> Um, who knows everyone by name? Um, and she sits down, orders a martini with extra olives and no ice, which I didn't think they had ice anyway. Um, and gets to witness uh, the middle-aged man from the first scene have have his second fight with another woman that looks about twenty. An identical fight. Yes, and so he has his he you know is like haha women be crazy, and Olympia Dukakis is like is it women? Or are you just dating women are too young for you? And uh, he is enchanted by her. Oh, head over heels. Yes. And uh, Liz was, I was cracking up the whole time that this was happening because Liz was so disgusted the entire he, time he was talking. We find out, he tells her he's a professor. And 
he goes on about how, like, I've been teaching, I don't even remember what subject he taught. Communication. Communication. He's like, I've been teaching this for years, and it just gets so old. But then I see these young women who are so enchanted by what I have to say, and they think I'm so smart and sophisticated and clever. And you know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there are a few things I hate more than a prophet, like a, a middle-aged professor, like, preying on young students. It's so gross. And this man was very gross for me. <laughs> he, he was very gross. Have you, I mean, like, I, so we went to college together. I know of at least one professor that had at least a little bit of a reputation for that when we were in undergrad. Yes. But you've gone to a lot more schools. How common is that? Do you know other professors that are, like, predators, or is this an 80s thing? I mean, <laughs> I think it is... I mean, it's definitely a thing, but... It's definitely a thing. I will say, one, I'm not very observant. Uh, <laughs> so I don't get a lot of the gossip, so it, it probably has been happening around me. Um, but I've, I've seen it a couple times in real life, but not as often as you see in film. Um, I think certainly it is less acceptable now. There's right. a lot of rules um, that make that either... Impo- um, you know, fireable or at least like super frowned upon. Um, and so I haven't encountered it much, but I do remember at Heidelberg when it happened because yeah. we were in rehearsal and someone came in and announced what like had <laughs> happened and we all stopped and we're like, what, so what now? Who is this? Um, so it was like, not- I guess honestly at Heidelberg, I mean, like, I don't think we should name names or anything for legal reasons, but I can this is think all of, like, theoretical. theoretically, I can think of, like, three people who were staff members at Heidelberg or professors at Heidelberg who there were at least rumors yeah, about, yeah. generally. I do know, I, uh, yeah, there were definitely rumors of more than the one that I think the that one that was confirmed, of, yeah. yeah. Um, and that one, like, he didn't get fired because she wasn't, like, his student, she was just a student. Um, which isn't like, yeah, technically against the rules, but is gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I remember rumors about, and it was always like, not that this always happens, but almost always it's male professors and young women. Well, the other two I have in mind were male professors and young men. Oh. We can talk about it. We'll talk about it after we turn the podcast (laughs) up. Because the ones I was thinking of were men. The one that I think that we're thinking of the same one was definitely a man and a young woman. Uh But the other two that I'm thinking of are. This is going to be our other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Heidelberg Goss will be our other. (laughs) 10 year old uh, old hot goss. (laughs) Lukewarm gossip. (laughs) Most lukewarm goss you've ever heard. Um, Yeah. Well, back to Moonstruck. We have a professor, and he preys on young women, and so um, Olympia Dukakis is like, what's she? What's the question she has? Um, why why do, do men chase women? Yes, and um, she asks a couple people that in the film. Um, She's like going through it because she knows her husband of yes. you know, forty two years or whatever has been cheating yeah. on her, and I think she's uh, she's obviously pretty upset about it. Yes, and her theory is. It's because they're afraid of death. Oh, which I feel like has like one of the my favorite lines of the movie when he she so she confronts him about it at the end and <laughs> she says 
you know, Cosmo, you're still gonna die <laughs> no matter. Um, yeah, and that that was just a that was it was, it was the perfect culmination yeah. of that like running joke. Um, yeah, and so eventually, like, he walks her home and tries to invite himself inside, and she's just like, "No, you're not coming in with no, me." No, I'm married. He's yeah. like. Oh, uh, yeah, probably can't come in. There's probably somebody in there. She's like, I'm pretty sure the house is empty, but I'm married. Yeah. And he's like, well, he's cheating on you. And she's like, but I know who I am. And I love that line. Where she's it was just really like, good. Oh, you're also just when they're boy. walking, the gram, uh, grandpa With does his dog. see her and mm-hmm. him and I think has the wrong idea. Yes, he does. Because we see the- him give her such a dirty look later and storms off. And, and she's the only one that cheating. She's the only faithful one. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so she basically calls this professor a little boy who likes to be bad and sends him on his way. His his game is lame. <laughs> He's just standing there like, I'm so cold. Oh, it's I wish so I could cold out here. I wish I could come I'm in so the house. Yeah. She's like, too bad, go home. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's very cringy. Yes. Um, and and we have then Johnny who is back from Sicily. Uh, comes to the house to, and she she asks him to like white men chase women and Loretta aka Cher not there not there he's like don't worry I'll come back in the morning and he does but not before everybody else in the world comes over everyone ends up in the kitchen for the climax of the film yeah Loretta is off after the opera sleeping with Johnny again after. Yep. So, <laughs> we get to see Johnny have, like, another really strange moment after the opera when he's pleading with her to come in and get in his bed. Yeah, the big speech about love. The other big speech about love and how love is messy and it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be nice and neat and it's supposed to complicate things and all of that. Love hurts. Yes. Um, and... It works. I, it she sleeps work. with him she again. With, I don't know why, though. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> you wouldn't go with him after he that seems speech? so crazy. Oh, yeah. Every time, right before. She just likes crazy, I think. That's what women want in 80s Wait. movies. No. <laughs> they women shouldn't. want, women want a, a passionate man. Mm, not that kind of passionate, though. <laughs> no, no. I agree with you. <laughs> but if we were filmmakers in the 80s, we would be, like, be like, this, this is, is romantic, it. right? Yes. No, it feels to me like probably what it would actually... This is, I think, why we don't see that many older women sleeping with much younger men. Because I do think <laughs> that younger men think that this is romantic. Yes. And it I, mostly seems terrible. Yeah. Um, it mostly seems really cringy to me. And I think that we're supposed to see that like Cher has lived a, a life like trying to tamper down her passions like she's doing oh the most... i don't think she should marry johnny either right because and she doesn't she says readily like several times throughout the movie that she doesn't love johnny yeah and like her first wedding her first marriage seems like sort of uh it was for love but it was very fast because it got hit by a bus yes within the first two years and she has like the most boring job in the world being an accountant sorry accountants um and then yeah she's gonna marry this man who who basically wants a mother and so she's just been, like, trying to, to not, like, give in to passion, maybe? And so, like, then she's confronted with this man who only listens to his passions 
Um, and so, but it's also crazy. He he cannot be said enough that this man is unhinged. Yeah, absolutely unhinged. Yeah, I don't think she. I think she probably should maybe just get out more and maybe. Yeah, meet some men. Meet some who aren't cooking bread in a basement. I know I said cooking bread. I know you don't cook bread. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the cooking bread and like like I think he might own the bakery. Uh. Because it's named after, it's got his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I don't have anything against that, but, like, maybe somebody who, like, screams less. It's very, like, hey, um, uh, what do I want to say? I'm trying to remember, uh, in Greek mythology, it's, like, Persephone and, um, Hades? Is it Hades? Yeah, it is Hades. It feels very much like she descends down into hell and he's down there in the flames. He's like, let's destroy your life. (laughs) Come upstairs with me again, my bed. (laughs) That's the vibe. Exactly. You really nailed it. Um, Yeah, I think that was very deliberate. Love is messy. Come on. Let's make love. (laughs) And who would say no to that? Who would say no? Who would say no to, to an unhinged man in a wife beater, uh, covered in well, sweat. Well, he's in the tux at that point. That's so. true. When he gives that speech, he is in the. He's got the little scarf. He's got the little scarf. He's got that little white scarf. Hard to say no to the little scarf. Women love a little white scarf. That's got to be it. <laughs> That's, That's what I reason. always go for. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worked out so well. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. I need my uh, Ronnie. In- you need a Ronnie. <laughs> I need a Ronnie. <laughs> you need someone oh, no. to inject a little passion into your life. That's what I. That's what I'm looking for. I need my this unhinged man. baker. <laughs> I am in love with this man. I'm in love with this man. This is the most tortured man I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And I am in love with this man. Yep. And I've never told him. <laughs> It's too bad for that lady because, um, and spoilers, he ends up with Loretta. Oh, yeah. It's so normal. <laughs> In a very normal proposal. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about. So, there's like, they do a really good. It definitely feels like a farce a little bit because mm-hmm. she's like, she gets home and she's there with just her mom, and the doorbell keeps ringing and it keeps on. We keep thinking it's gonna be Johnny, this, and it's not Johnny so many times in a row. This felt like a play. Yes. This it's scene. It's just building the tension yes. for so long. Because she comes home, her mom's like, you know, still her, you know, made up from the opera, wearing her opera clothes, and her mom's like, Johnny's coming. Uh, she's got hickey on her neck, because I guess they're teenagers. Yeah. Um, they both have hickeys. Um, and so she is running around frantic because she wants to, you know, get ready before Johnny shows up. And then Ronnie appears. So he comes in to have some oatmeal. And then uh, Cosmo comes <laughs> that downstairs. That was really funny. He's like, the mom offers oatmeal. He's like, yeah, I'll have some oatmeal. And the red is like, no, you can't have oatmeal. <laughs> no oatmeal. Um, and then, I mean, like, even Rita and Raymond show up um, to the watch this scene. Because they're like, ah. Do you have something you need to tell us? And I thought they were going to say, Johnny's dead. Yes. Because they came in so serious. It was so somber. Um, and no, it was just a, I think the whole, that whole plot was just to get them there for the last scene. Oh yeah. Just so that we could have everybody there for yes. the, uh, for the proposal. For the showdown. Um, which is, you know, Johnny finally shows up. Johnny shows up and it's like, 
kind of so, um, how do I want to say this? Like, I'm expecting a fight. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen. It doesn't. Everything works out. Everybody's fine. Yeah. I was waiting for more of a, a blow up because Cosmo comes down to breakfast and Rose is just like, I know you're cheating on me. I want you to stop. Stop seeing her. And he like slams his fist on the table and stands up. And, and then he goes, okay. And sits down. And uh, they're like, I love you. And then he eats his breakfast. <laughs> and that's it. And then Johnny shows up. And they're like, what are you doing here? Is your mom dead? And he goes, no, it's a miracle. She's back up on her feet. She's great. But we can't get married because then she'll die. Which was like a very weird superstitious thing. It didn't make any sense. You would think it would be like, we, I thought he was going to say, you know, we have to get married now because that's what kept her from succumbing right. to death. That seems like the logical thing. Yeah. Maybe he's just going to like let the engagement go on forever because she's excited about the wedding. Mm-hmm. And if they get married, then she'll be like, now I can die. Maybe it's, I don't need you because my real mom is still alive. Ooh, he was looking for a mom be. replacement. I mean, he's definitely in it for a mom replacement. I like your theory. That's a good theory. Yeah, I feel like that might be it. And um, he did, I don't know if we mentioned this, but he didn't have a real ring to propose to her with. So he gave her his pinky ring. So then she throws his pinky ring back at him and is mad that he broke up with her, even though she didn't want to marry him anymore. Um, but then... Ronnie is like, great, can I have that pinky ring? Because now I'm going to propose to her. I need to borrow a ring. I'm going to propose to her. And Johnny doesn't, like, react at all, really. He does not. He's just like, all right, that's kind of weird, but... He's like, you guys had a wild couple days, huh? (laughs) You missed a lot. Uh, Yeah, and then that's... Everything works out. Everyone's happy. I guess Ronnie is completely the opposite of Johnny. Yes. He's very independent. Yes. He's very independent. They make reference to the fact he does not get along with their mom, um, which isn't surprising. That also feels like a... I feel like both sides of that are red flags. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if, you want somebody who has, like, a fine relationship with their mom, but they also have, like, boundaries. Yes. These men don't have boundaries. No. In either direction. No boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries. Uh, yeah. And so, that's it. That's Moonstruck. Yeah, so that was, it was, it was a wild, wild ride. Um, what did you think of this movie? Oh, I loved it. I was cackling. Oh, me too. (laughs) It was, it's, it's absurd. It's very, like, the humor in it is, yeah, just a lot of people, like, saying things you don't expect, acting not outside the realm totally of realism, um... But also just like reacting, like we said, sometimes you think they're going to blow up and they don't, or sometimes you think it's going to be a normal conversation and instead they're at a hundred. But yeah, I really like it. So this movie, we already talked about it, you know, it got nominated for a ton of awards um, and it won three Academy Awards. Uh, Critics... On Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 94%. Wow. It's definitely one of the higher Nicolas Cage movies. It's in the 90s. And then the audience score is 81%. So people, the normal folk, liked it a little bit less than the critics. How do we feel about uh, those ratings? Do you feel like those are about where they should be? I'm not. I think the critic one is right. I'm not surprised about the audience one, because like I said, it is odd. So if someone came to it just thinking they were going to get a normal romantic comedy, 
they would definitely be like, this isn't realistic. Yeah. So I, I really liked this movie. I highly recommend watching this movie. I'm surprised that it's as acclaimed as it is. It doesn't feel like a movie that would be as well loved by critics specifically as it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I think that... I definitely recommend it. It's, like I said, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But, like, it also is a rom-com that doesn't always feel like a rom-com to me. Although it definitely has, like, that farce kind of a pacing yeah. and attitude and everything. If you like Frasier, you should probably watch this movie. I think that in the last 30 years, and there are obviously deviations from this, but, we, you know, Oscar bait movies mm-hmm. are what we're used to as being the Oscar winners, which is, like, usually some... Usually either some sort of drama that's mm-hmm. either a contemporary drama or some historical biography type picture, right? Yeah. Um, we're used to that in a lot of like very realistic performances. You don't see a lot of comedies that are nominated for all kinds of things. Right. And you don't see a lot of like super risky, you know, um, tonally different movies like this. Um, the winning. last comedy I remember winning was Birdman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's deviations. Um, and Birdman's kind of a weird movie, but... Birdman's definitely a weird movie. But, so it, it is a little just surprising to see. And again, it didn't win Best Picture, though. No, Moonstruck didn't win Best Picture, right. And it did win Best Screenplay, which I feel like is probably the category like that the most experimental things mm-hmm. can have a chance at. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... Or comedies... If you think about it, the people who did, like, Olympia Dukakis and Cher won the awards, and they had more ground performances. Yeah, they did. Like, the the men tended to be the ones who were a little more off the chart. Um, yeah, the men were very cartoony, and I do feel like Cher and her mom were both a little more serious, although they, the mom especially, had some, some really funny moments. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. They were, there and... I love that Olympia Dukakis is the one who got cast in this film because I guess they were going after a lot more bigger names mm-hmm. and they turned it down and she's just like a character actor who's been in so many films. She's great and I totally buy her as Cher's mom too. There's yeah. something about their faces that look kind of similar to me. Yep. Yeah. So, absolutely. Go see Moonstruck. Definitely watch Moonstruck. It's on HBO now, so mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it'll be on HBO in a couple weeks when we release this episode. Hopefully it'll be on HBO forever. Hopefully. Um, and, uh, yeah, now I think it's time for Inside the Cage. Who needs sound effects? We are our own sound effects. <laughs> We're professionals. Um, yeah, so the... I think this week we have to talk about um, the week that we were recording this. Just yesterday, actually, Nicolas Cage did an Ask Me Anything on Reddit. Which was awesome. Which was amazing. And also, we watched a video uh, a little bit earlier, maybe last week, uh, where... um, Nick Cage goes undercover as himself on one of those wired things. Mm -hmm. Um, And as he points out in both of these, uh, the AMA and then also in the video... He does not do social media. He doesn't He doesn't spend a lot of time on the internet. He doesn't spend a lot of time looking at, like, the memes and things about him. He knows they exist. 
Um, but he's just not that interested in it. He knows that the Reddit page exists <laughs> for him. If you don't know it, there is a Nicolas Cage Reddit page that is our one true god. Uh, and it's about Nicolas Cage, which is pretty excellent. Yes, because they, in the video, they were like, do you know what it's called? And he's like, I'm not going to say it because I think that would be pretty conceited. <laughs> Um, but I think in both of these, people were shocked at how sort of, like, normal and articulate and thoughtful he is. And, but, I mean... People just kind of expect him to be, like, totally crazy and, like, cracked out all the time. Yeah. And he's not. And he's not. I mean, one of the things I really liked in the AMA he talks about um, is someone said that Ethan Hawke said that you're the first actor since Marlon Brando to do something new with acting. And Nicolas Cage was like, first of all, Ethan Hawke is a wonderful actor and a wonderful person. That's very kind of him to say that. Um, and he goes on to say, I don't think I'm doing anything new. Um, and I've heard him say this before in interviews that his his performances are inspired by like early film. Um, a lot of film stars from the silent era, which is the era in which people are extra expressive um, because there's no sound. So they have to do all their acting with their face. Um, and also Kabuki, which again is a style of acting where you are using a lot of um, facial and body movements to get emotion across instead of going for realism. Um, so to to us, we're mostly used to seeing sort of the realistic mm-hmm. Stanislavski-inspired method-type acting. Um, that This seems wild. Yeah. But as he says, it's like not new. He's just sort of like using all these different things to inform all of his performances. I love it. He seems so dedicated to his craft. Um, there was another part that I remember him talking about. Somebody was asking what his favorite hobbies are um, outside of work. And he said, well, it's kind of hard to separate the two because everything that I do informs my work. But if I had to name three, it would be watching movies, reading literature, and working out. Yep. Um it's like pretty normal things but also he's like obviously i don't know how you say like i think he is well read but what's like the version of that like he's definitely a cinephile um yes yeah i mean well watched incredibly (laughs) informed about i mean he knew he wanted to be an actor from a very young age yeah there's like a really weird story about him uh performing as like a 14 year old for his uncle um Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola, of course. Um, and I, I'll have to like go and look up this story later, but it's it's a weird story. I think. Yeah, he like auditions for him, and his uncle's not impressed by it. No. Um, which I, he's, you know, he's fifteen, and that's fine. But obviously, he knew what he wanted to do from a very young age. He he comes from a family that is um deeply entrenched in in the world of acting and filmmaking. Um, so yeah, it just has different inspirations, but yeah, it's just like a super wholesome, fun thread to read. Um, they're pushing, you can tell that he's being pushed hard by the studio to do a lot of this promotional stuff that he would normally do for the incredible weight of massive talent. And, um, we're reaping the benefits. We, we absolutely (laughs) are. I love to see it. It's great. Um, so uh, our next episode that we're releasing, we decided to do City of Angels. Yeah. To round out and conclude our sort of little rom-com series chunk that we've been doing. I will say, I think City of Angels is going to be the rom without the com. 
Well, <laughs> yeah. We were kind of limited. There's not that many. I wish, I kind of wish he did more rom-coms than he did. In my head, I thought he'd done more. He's, there are a few more that we're like skipping. There's one we're saving for Christmas that yeah. I think is definitely solidly rom-com territory. Yes. And then there's a couple that like, we didn't want to do Peggy Sue Got Married right out of the gate like yeah. this. And that's sort of a rom-com. And I pushed for this one too, because I think it's a very different performance than we've seen in any of the films we've watched so far. Um, so I think that'll be fun to sort of look at. I re- And to be fair, it's been 20 years since I've seen this film. Who knows? Um, but I remember it being a sort of like a very quiet, restrained performance. So we'll see. We'll see if we'll that see how is that, true. If that's true or not. Anyways. Um, I never know how to end the podcast. I'm, we'll never end it. We'll just we'll keep talking. It. We'll just keep talking forever. forever and ever. We'll just stay in your ears and keep y'all company. Anywho. We'll uh, hope you listen again next time that we release an episode and uh see you next week in the cage is that good i don't think so but uh we're gonna end it there anyways